This week on Myths and Legends, we're back in the middle of the Trojan War. Except things take a decisive turn when Achilles rejoins the battle. We'll learn the deadly repercussions of cosplay and see that you might be in a war, but that doesn't mean you can't have a mini Olympics where people get poop up their nose. Doing a lot of cooking lately? Watch out for this week's creature who will absolutely stab you with a spoon. This is Myths and Legends, episode 177C, When I Am Gone. This is a podcast where I tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Once again, we're in the middle of the Trojan War, so if you have not listened to the previous two episodes, please go do that because there's a lot here. I'll give a brief update just to refresh memories. Basically, Agamemnon, the high king of the Greeks, made Achilles mad. Achilles cried to his mom, who pleaded with Zeus to give the Greeks such heavy losses that they had no choice but to beg Achilles to come back. Zeus tricked the Greeks into attacking, and after many back and forths, the Trojans breached the Greek ramparts and stood before their ships. Hector, the prince of Troy, set the first one ablaze when, in the light of the fire and through the haze of war, he saw the armor of Achilles. We're going to back up a little bit and tell what happened when Patroclus got back to Achilles and what was said to get the Myrmidons, Achilles' people, back into battle. It's a healer, Patroclus said when he returned. The sound of wood and bronze on metal and flesh echoed around them. The fighting was getting closer now. The black ships of the Myrmidons were some of the last before the sea. So they still had time. Achilles had just started a small campfire. Hey, Patroclus said, putting his palm on Achilles' cheek, getting his attention. How long have I been with you? I'm still with you, okay? I understand you're angry, but there are things that are bigger than that. If they die here, though, there will be nothing to ever quench that anger. Thousands of people have died for nothing, all from your prayer. If you save them now, though, they will have no choice but to see what I see, how much greater you are than any of them. So put it aside. Save them now and Agamemnon can see just how much he needs you. Achilles looked down now. No, this wasn't the way it was supposed to go. Agamemnon was supposed to be here on his knees, begging Achilles to return. Did Zeus fail him? Fail his mother? After everything she had done for him? Patroclus looked out at the battle. Agamemnon couldn't get here if he wanted. The Trojans are in the camps, and you have two options. Fight, Rescue Agamemnon and make him not only bow, but thank you. Or run. I'll be with you either way, but we fought alongside these men for almost a decade. They're our cousins and brothers and friends. I want to save them, and I know we can. Achilles sighed and pursed his lips as he rose to his feet. He turned to Patroclus, his first friend, the man he loved more than anyone. He nodded. Okay, get my armor. 
the Trojans didn't know what to do. This was him. Achilles was back. Behind him, 250 Myrmidons took their places. Achilles' breastplate stood out from among their brown armor. Fight like men, my friends, and call up your battle fury. You will win high honor for Peleus' royal son. Even the mighty Atreides will see how mad he was to disgrace Achilles, the best of the Achaeans. The leader threw a spear and hit a Trojan square in the center mass, killing him instantly. The armor glinted in the light of the burning ship as the Myrmidons took off in a run. The Trojans gave a little ground, allowing the Myrmidons to quench the fire, but they didn't retreat. The battle had begun. The armor of Achilles flashed, goring man after man with his spear as the Argives emerged from their retreat. Menelaus thundered back to battle with Agamemnon close behind. Achilles had returned. This was it. On their darkest day, a light had shined. This is where everything changed. And yeah, on a day that up until then had been middling at best, with several turns in fortune, with Hector pushed back to the city and then inside the ramparts and then pushed back to the city and then back from the dead and now burning the ships, this finally felt decisive. The story goes into incredibly gory detail about spears entering people's heads from all sorts of fun angles. And the leader of the Myrmidons, the man who had sat by the black ships for weeks, was out in front. Achilles' armor flashed as man after man, life after life, he worked his way through the Trojan forces. He was the reason they finally broke and ran back to Troy. Well, almost all of them. Serpedon was a son of Zeus. Not quite an exclusive club, but this was one Zeus actually knew about. One Zeus actually liked. As he watched the Greeks cut closer to his son, he was anxious. Should he pluck his doomed boy from battle, setting him down in the rich green fields of his homeland? Or should he let him meet his fate? Hera looked back. Uh, wait, you're asking me? Seriously? You're asking me what you should do with your love child with another woman. Buddy, I had Hercules murderous family. I had a cow woman tormented by a fly so much that she traveled around the entire world. You know the answer to this question. Also, you're not the only person with kids down there. You pull him out, and everybody's gonna be mad. He has to die. Zeus wiped his eyes. He knew. He knew. Hera turned to him. Oh, no. Was he crying? Blood? Ew. Wow. He really cared about that boy that he had with Laodamia, the daughter of Bellerophon. All right, let's watch him die. The Myrmidons took out his chariot. And even though Sarpedon tried, with his spear glancing off the shoulder of Achilles' armor, the man was unstoppable. In a flash, Achilles' spear found his chest. Sarpedon died screaming. A sandal against Sarpedon's throat, the man wrenched the spear out of his chest. Screams echoed all around. Sarpedon, son of Zeus, was their Achilles. And he had been cut down. The leader of the Myrmidons shouted back to Ajax. Take the body. Mutilate him. Shame him. Let Troy know what would happen to them now that Achilles rejoined the battle. At that moment, Hector wheeled around. They had to go back. They had to get Sarpedon's armor. If you're thinking that a desperate death match was intense enough, well, they went and made things personal for Zeus. Not wanting his son to be shamed and mutilated, he covered the noontime battlefield in a darkness, turning it into a brutal, 
blind struggle. Achilles' spear traveled noiselessly through the fray, only marked by the screams it left in its wake. When, on the other side of the darkness, the Myrmidons emerged triumphant, Zeus put a tremor in Hector's heart. The day was lost. Fall back to Troy. The Myrmidons didn't let them go that easily, though. As they fell back, Achilles' spear alone massacred whole platoons of Trojans. Zeus had finally tipped the scale in the favor of the Greeks, in favor of Achilles and his Myrmidons. It was a rout, a complete rout, and hardened veterans fled in terror. Zeus, though, looked down, blood dotting his cheeks. His tears had stopped, but his rage had only begun. He would let the man who killed his son have the glory of pushing the Trojans back to their walls, but he would die on this day. It was a slaughter all the way back to Troy, but it was there, in the shadow of the walls, that Apollo looked up to Mount Ida, and Zeus nodded. It was time. Immediately, a shadow rose behind Achilles' helmet. Apollo rose, and his hand struck the hero with an open palm strike. The helmet flew from the man's head. When he spun around, he felt the deathless fingers grip the bronze and tear the armor on his back free, flinging it into the fray to get claimed or trampled by the fleeing or fighting men. Wait, Achilles had said to Patroclus when the fighting was still far off, when the two still had moments together before the day that would separate them forever. Patroclus was picking up Achilles' armor and Achilles paced. The Myrmidons would need to be roused quickly and the only man to do that would be their king. He didn't have time for anything else. He couldn't join the battle. But that would be perfect. Patroclus shook his head. How? Achilles said that just the thought that he was there would be enough to inspire bravery in the Greeks and terror in the Trojans. That alone would turn the tide. And if he didn't join the battle, then his threat to Agamemnon would stay intact. Achilles turned to Patroclus, but it would have to be convincing. Someone about his same age and build. Someone with the same education. A man he had trained against his whole life. Patroclus would wear it. He would go into the battle as Achilles and save the ships. Patroclus nodded and began strapping on Achilles' armor as the fighting got closer and closer to the ships. Achilles stopped him. He would pray to Zeus for Patroclus' protection. And Zeus would listen, he always had. But no matter what happened, Patroclus couldn't go beyond the ships. Get the Trojans away from the boats. But after that, come back. Please. Come back to me. Patroclus nodded. I'll come back. I promise. It was at that moment, when he stood exposed before the walls of Troy, that Patroclus realized the magnitude of his error. The gods... The gods had put a battle fury into his heart. Zeus had helped him push all the way to the city, only to rip away his protection. He had to go. He had to... Indescribable pain snaked up from his stomach. He looked down, 
a spear. A spear stuck out of him. There was a man there, a friend of the dozens, hundreds that he had killed on that day. The Trojan stood there in almost as much shock as Patroclus. Patroclus wrenched the spear from his body and coughed. Blood spattered on the dirt. He shook his head. He had to get back. He promised Achilles he would come back. He turned and staggered back toward the Greek line. Menelaus and Ajax were the first people to see the man on the hill. He fought better than Achilles ever had. But he wasn't Achilles. Patroclus staggered, blood gushing from the wound on his side. He had to get back. Achilles. He made a promise. Hector had stopped his Trojans from killing Patroclus right then and there. Patroclus had massacred whole platoons of Trojans. There were fathers that would be food for ravens tonight, instead of going home to their children. Families that would be irreversibly destroyed. Patroclus would answer for that today. Menelaus and Ajax, at the head of the Greek warriors rushing toward Troy, saw the silhouette of Hector rise behind Patroclus. With one short, quick movement, they watched the spear explode from Patroclus' chest as he looked back on the boats back toward Achilles. Hector wrenched the spear free, and Patroclus rolled over. He was... laughing? The gods. Hector should thank the gods. The gods ripped the armor from him. They brought him down with their deathless ease. This was a gift to Hector. If twenty Hectors had charged him, they would have died here. Deadly fate in league with Apollo killed Patroclus. Patroclus looked behind Hector and smiled. He's coming. He looked Hector in the eyes. He's coming for you, Hector. The gods were your friend on this day, but already they're lining up against you. Hector would not live long now. It'll be him, Patroclus said with a smile as he looked behind Hector. Achilles. With that... Patroclus, son of Menetius, died, and his soul went down to the house of death. Achilles looked out on the water. Tears wouldn't stop coming. He was agony. His hair was strewn on the sand, torn out in clumps, and he looked out on the water. She would be there soon. I've lost him, he said to Thetis, his mother, when she arrived. I've lost him, and I've lost everything. He was my life, and I loved him. Achilles looked up to his mother. She was right. He wouldn't be coming home from this one. He knew the prophecies. He knew that if Hector died, Achilles' death must follow. Now, Hector would die. He would die in the dirt, beaten down by Achilles' spear, gasping away his life. He would be the blood price for Patroclus. Menelaus and Ajax had defended the body, but not before Hector hacked away at it and tore off Patroclus' armor, the armor of Achilles. He had taken it with him inside the walls and put it on, 
For the ensuing battle over the body, Hector fought in the armor of Achilles, still slick with Patroclus' blood, promising half the war spoils to anyone who managed to recover the body. Even though Apollo himself fought as a disguised Trojan, Menelaus and Ajax pushed them back long enough to drag the body from in front of the walls. The clash of spears and shields still rang out in the distance. The battle over Patroclus' body continued. Achilles was talking to his mother. No more. No more scheming, no more prayers. Achilles would speak to Agamemnon and rejoin the war, and kill Hector and die. He'll meet his death freely if it means justice for Patroclus. He needed armor, though, since Hector now wore his. Thetis looked to the surf. So this is how it was going to happen. In answering his prayer, in getting Zeus to attack the Greeks, she had brought about the situation where Patroclus would die, when Achilles' rage would burn so hot that it could never be quenched. He now knew that he was going to die, and he didn't care as long as he sent Hector to the house of death first. She said she knew someone who owed her a favor, Hephaestus, son of Hera. Thetis had nursed him as a baby. When he was flung from Olympus, he would do anything for her, including making a new set of armor for her son. Thetis disappeared, but not before telling her son not to arm for battle before she returned. So, I need you to arm for battle, Hera said the second Thetis left. Achilles didn't turn to look at her. Patroclus died. I'm brooding. Hera looked to Athena, who shrugged. Be that as it may, the Queen of Heaven replied. The battle still continues for Patroclus' body. Menelaus has it, but his grip is tenuous. If, say, an epic poem is ever to be written about this day, it'll be described as a tug of war over the body. And I'm not sure how literal that is, and I don't want to find out. Achilles said he'd made a promise to his mother not to go into battle. He only wanted to sit here and wail for Patroclus. Hera looked to Athena. Yeah, they could work with that. On the battlefield, a scream erupted from the Greek ships that felt like it shook the ground. It was amplified by Athena herself, and everyone heard it. Everyone heard it, but only the Trojans were filled with panic. As they were in their little tug of war, which, once again, were not going to investigate, because yeesh, the Trojans broke and ran. Menelaus threw Patroclus over his shoulder, and soon the Greeks were behind the ramparts once again. The battle was over. As the Trojans once again closed in around the Greek ramparts and lit their campfires, Hector's reckless plan, encouraged by a dozen Trojans who had their wits driven from them by Athena, the anxiety was palpable. The war had changed. Everything was now balanced on the edge of a knife. Doom would come with the dawn. Best day ever, Agamemnon shouted, before downing another goblet. Long one, too. You realize that we've been fighting since book 11? Crazy. It's almost book 19. You can't say that. Odysseus pinched the bridge of his nose. Agamemnon couldn't be saying it was the best day ever. Achilles would be here any minute. What are you drinking? Agamemnon said, as Odysseus came into his tent. And don't say nothing. This is our day, but, but, the Trojan son of Zeus gets taken out, 
And Achilles is back in the game and ready to straight up murder Hector for what? Patroclus? Did you even know that guy existed before two weeks ago? As Odysseus reluctantly took the goblet of wine thrust into his hand, he grimaced. Yes, he knew. He was Odysseus. He knew everything. Look, tactically, yes, this is a big win. Hector was exposed. Can't be not on the battlefield again tonight, instead of going behind Troy's walls. And Achilles was not only back, but he was anachronistically laser-focused on murdering Hector. Not to mention all the prophecies, and they were almost in the tenth year of the war. Still, he removed the wine from Agamemnon's hand. Achilles probably shouldn't see Agamemnon celebrating the day, the night after his friend died. Friend? Agamemnon replied. He thought they were together. Odysseus said it wasn't explicitly so, at least not right now in this, you know, theoretical epic poem that someone might write someday. But he thought that if, you know, poets and philosophers talked about it, say, in the 5th and 4th centuries BC, they would interpret them as being in a romantic relationship. And that's an interpretation that would continue on through the ages. Or so Odysseus thought. Just then, the heralds announced that Achilles had arrived. Agamemnon, was it better for both of us to rage at each other, all for a young girl? Achilles said, barely saying hello. Agamemnon might have chuckled at the fact that he had been living rent-free in Achilles' head for the past two weeks, but he only nodded solemnly. He said that he had been driven crazy by Zeus, oh, the day he took Briseis. And now he would give her back, and all the other stuff he had promised last night. Achilles nodded. Good, good. Were the men ready to fight now? Odysseus stepped forward. Buddy, they had been fighting all day. They hadn't taken a two-week seaside vacation. Give the men some time, sit back, relax, have something to eat. Tomorrow, Hector would pay. If Achilles wanted to go after him, seriously, he was a very good fighter. Achilles agreed to wait until the following day, but refused the food in Agamemnon's tent. He said that he would be by his ships, tending to the body of Patroclus and waiting for Briseis. Briseis, the fight over whose possession she should be in started this whole thing, saw the body of Patroclus and hung her head. She said that Patroclus wouldn't let her weep. He wouldn't let her weep when Achilles stormed their city and murdered her husband right before her eyes. He wouldn't let her weep when Achilles took her as a slave. He said he would work to make sure she was the wedded, lawful wife of Achilles, which, being forced into marrying the man who murdered the man you married, that's what every woman wants. He was always kind, though. I mean, he didn't murder her husband, so he was the kindest of the men she had been allowed to talk to. Achilles put his arm around her. He said they would all miss him. Achilles looked on the body, one that hadn't even begun to decay. Inside, they were supposed to leave this war together. They had so many plans. His mother had been back earlier. She brought the god-forged armor. She promised to keep Patroclus from rotting while Achilles was away at battle. Hephaestus, the god of fire, really put some effort into the armor of Achilles, and Homer put some effort into describing it, giving us dozens of lines telling us what's going on. I found a public domain illustration of it and posted it on the post on mythpodcast.com so you can see for yourself. But as the night passed, Achilles dressed for battle, putting on the armor. After he dressed, 
he arrived at his chariot, where, of course, his horse talked, saying that they would help Achilles on this day, but that his death hovered nearer now than ever. Also, hi, this is Hera, but she was just talking through the horse. She wasn't actually the horse. That's something Zeus would do. Achilles, totally not losing his mind, turned to his horse and said that he knew he was destined to die here, far from home, but he would never stop until he drove the Trojans to their bloody fill of war. We'll come back to the biggest battle of the Trojan War and the actual return of Achilles, but that will be right after this. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. All right, everyone. Zeus lifted the ban on gods fighting for the humans. So I want a good, clean fight out there, Hermes said, before breaking out in laughter. They were deathless. They were fine. Go nuts. Spear people through the head out there, really. Anything goes. This is the ancient world. Treat yourself to some depravity. Ares was back after Diomedes speared him in the stomach, still needing a shower, and he and Apollo were doing some stretches and getting ready to fight on behalf of the Trojans, while Hera, Athena, and Poseidon were huddling up for the Greeks. Everyone else was taking their seats on the side of the field. The fight of the century, Greeks free Trojans, Achilles versus Hector, was about to begin. Zeus was a little worried he had overdone it with the prep work, and that Achilles, so enraged, would topple the city today. So that's why he let the deathless gods jump in to help pump the brakes a little bit. And they did, but only barely. Apollo inspired Aeneas to attack Achilles, and then quickly regretted that decision. 
Aeneas's solo project was just greenlit. They couldn't have him dying today. So Poseidon, rolling his eyes that he was helping a Trojan, whisked him away from battle. Achilles blazed through the Trojan troops like a fire, consuming all who stood between him and Hector. Apollo stood with Hector, warning him not to challenge Achilles. Not now. But Hector stepped forward. This was where it all ended. Achilles slowed and looked Hector up and down. This was it. This was the man who killed Patroclus. All right, yeah, let's do this. He'd even wait here for Hector to charge him and meet his death. Hector wasn't scared. If this was how it ended, this was how it ended. It was fate. He gripped his spear and threw it. When Athena appeared, blowing the spear away from striking a killing blow and sending it clattering harmlessly at Hector's feet, Hector skidded to a stop. Oh, come on. Just then, Achilles jumped. Spear pointed at Hector's heart, but he only found smoke. Being carried by Apollo back through the Trojan host, Hector complained that he had Achilles. Apollo shook his head. He definitely didn't. That one was on Athena, though. Not cool. Anyway, it wasn't Hector's time yet. Achilles still had to fight the river. Hector cocked an eyebrow. Didn't Apollo mean fight in the river? Apollo shook his head. Nope. Achilles is fighting the river, someone informed King Priam back in Troy minutes later. Priam would have asked if they meant he was fighting in the river, but nope, he could see it from the walls. Achilles was fighting the river. Achilles only laughed when Hector was spirited away from him. He would have his chance with the Prince of Troy. The prophecies said as much. But now, oh, for now there were so many Trojans to kill. And he did. He killed Trojans fighting. He killed Trojans fleeing. He killed Trojans who had thrown down their weapons and wrapped themselves around his knees, begging him for their lives. His response? Patroclus was a better man than any of them. And he admit his death. Why should they be any different? Hey, I get that you're in a war, but I'm literally choking with dead bodies. Mind easing it up a bit? Achilles heard. It was the river. Named Scamander with a very reasonable request. Stop leaving dead bodies in him. Nobody likes that. Achilles said that he wouldn't purposefully leave any bodies in the river, but he wouldn't stop killing Trojans, and if Trojans fall in the river, well, that's just gravity. The river, Scamander, whose name means awkward man, said that he was telling. He called out for Apollo to come down and get Achilles out of him, but all he got in return was a spear aimed at his river heart. When Achilles saw the mass of dead bodies rising up in a giant wave coming toward him, he knew that he had probably taken things a bit too far. Back in Troy, Priam was speechless. Wow, a river. That was lucky. They watched the river beat Achilles half to death with waves. It sent fish and eels to attack him, and it swept him out onto a floodplain. They watched the son of Thetis actually look up in terror screaming out to the gods, nearly drowned and fearing for his life when he saw the light. That light was Hephaestus. In a blast of fire that came down from the heavens, prodded by Hera, Hephaestus rained fire and boiled the river. Scamander, 
awkward man, threw up his hands. You know what? He didn't like the Trojans all that much. Not this much. He didn't need this. It took Hera coaxing her, quote, glorious blazing boy. You know, the grown man. The one she threw off Olympus as a baby, giving him a permanent limp when he didn't make Zeus jealous to calm down. Hephaestus relented, and Scamander, the river, was allowed to go back to bed. The Trojans were now in full retreat back to Troy. Achilles alone had split their army and massacred half of them at the river, and Priam watched the last group, led by his son, make their way for the open gates. Apollo himself fought under the guise of a Trojan warrior, Agenor, to cover their retreat and give Trojans enough time to get back to the city and close the gates. When they watched Agenor disappear into a puff of smoke and saw Achilles turn his gaze to the city, Priam ordered the gates closed. The men shouted back that there was still someone outside. Priam looked down. Hector. Hector was watching the swift-running Achilles dash at him. Priam screamed for him to get inside. It was my choice to camp at the ships last night, Hector said, not taking his eyes from Achilles. Priam shook his head. It didn't matter. Come inside. Hector's hands became fists. It was his fault now. Their army had been slaughtered, routed. They were a fraction of their former power. They would lose this war, and it would be Hector's fault. He looked on the dust of an army running and riding to kill him and everyone he ever loved. If he fought Achilles now and won, he would save the city. If he died, he would die in glory. Priam shook his head. No, too many. Too many of his sons went to fight this man and never came back. He wouldn't lose the best of them today. But Hector said he was staying. He would fight for Troy. And if he needed to, he would die for Troy. He readied his spear for the onslaught that was Achilles. Let's do this. Okay, huh? yeah. Really kind of misjudged the distance. Kind of, kind of giving Hector a lot of time to think. Kind of too much time. He turned to Priam. Hey, think Achilles would stop this if we, like, just gave him back Helen and gave them a bunch of gold? Priam threw up his hands. I don't know. Come inside and we'll talk about it. He's almost here. Hector turned back and narrowed his eyes. That's right. Achilles was almost upon them, which meant Achilles' reckoning would be... Nope, he waited too long. He was scared now. When Achilles was less than a spear's throw away, Hector took a last look and bolted to the left. Achilles, still far outpacing the rest of the Greeks, looked at the city, and then at fleeing Hector, he took off after Hector. Zeus's phone buzzed. Oh, it's Hector again, guys. What do I do, guys? He's praying. Should I take this? Athena pursed her lips, grabbed the phone, and sent it to voicemail. You answer that prayer, and no one will ever respect you around here again. You'll be going against fate. I mean, the paperwork alone. Ugh. Zeus sat back. He knew. And it wasn't a great look for Hector, running in fear from Achilles. It's just, you hate to see someone you care about being hunted, especially by Achilles. I mean, his first day, and he's killing surrendering warriors. That's like... A war crime? Is that a thing yet? Apollo came in and held up his phone. Hector, 
Today's the day, right? He can't answer this prayer. Zeus sighed and held up his sacred, golden scales. On one side, he put Hector, breaker of horses. On the other, swift-footed Achilles. He held it up, removed his hand, and the scale shifted. Athena nodded and disappeared. Apollo took a deep breath and sent the prayer to voicemail. Hey, bro! Hector heard beside him. Hector turned. This was his third trip around the city. He didn't know how much longer he could keep doing this, but his brother was out here now? That's weird. Yeah, I snuck out of the city. I saw you being a ridiculous coward, and I was like, no brother of mine is going to run in fear from a fight and shame not only himself, but his city and his people. I'm going to sneak out there, join him on his run, and help him kill Achilles. Or should I say Achilles? Nope, that's the same word. If we die today, it was fate. Sealed for all time. And it will be talked about for countless generations to come. Sons of Priam, princes of Troy. Though we die, we live in glory. Right, bro? Hector's hands stopped shaking. Yes, today was the day. He would face his fate. And if death was in store, he would accept it. Hector turned, and Achilles was standing there next to his spear. There had been enough running. He only asked Achilles for one thing. When all this was over, they could take each other's armor, but they would treat the bodies with respect. If Hector killed Achilles, he would take that really nice armor. Seriously, was that his backup armor? Anyway, he would take the armor, but he would leave the body for the Greeks. He asked that Achilles do the same for him. Achilles didn't even need to think about it. No. Hector gasped. What? Achilles shrugged. No. Did wolves and lambs hash out packs? No. They hated each other and they died. So it would be with Hector and Achilles. Hector killed Patroclus while he was a boy crawling away in terror. Now he would see how it felt to die like that. Circle of life. Kind of. With that, Achilles flung his spear. Hector dodged slightly. Wow. Unimpressed. Hector held out a hand and his brother produced a spear for him. He flung it at Achilles and hit the man right in the middle of the shield. It was a shot that would destroy a normal shield, but this was built by the same being who laid the foundations of Olympus. The spear glanced off the bronze and clattered in the dust. Brother, my lance, Hector said, hand outstretched. But no lance came. Hector looked to his left, but his brother was gone. Hector gritted his teeth. Olympians! Athena, no longer in the form of the brother, was behind Achilles. She was smiling. Hector drew his sword. He could do this. If he got inside the lance, he could find the weak spot in Achilles' God-given armor. He could still do this. In his charge, Hector had forgotten that he was wearing Patroclus' armor. And Patroclus, on the day he died was wearing Achilles' armor. And Achilles didn't need to search for weak spots. He knew his own armor intimately. He knew that, as the collarbones lifted the neck bone off the shoulders, there was a spot, a spot he compulsively defended, even though he no longer had to, a spot that Hector knew nothing about. Achilles found that spot and speared Hector, Prince of Troy, through the neck. As blood gushed, 
Hector thought about his wife, his newborn son, his father. He even thought about Paris. He wondered about the house of death, the domain of Hades. He gripped at the spear. He begged Achilles with what words he could muster to please. Please don't give his body to the dogs by the Argive ships. Please give him back to his parents. They would give Achilles gold. Achilles put his foot on Hector's chest. If he was as full of the rage he felt this morning, he would eat Hector raw himself. No, not if Priam should offer Hector's weight in gold. He would never give Hector back. Dogs and birds. That's what awaited the Prince of Troy. Hector spat blood. Fine. Achilles knew what awaited him, then. He knew about the arrow, the sea and gates. Achilles only smiled. He had done what he set out to do. The gods could take him at any time now. He gripped his spear and kicked Hector down into the dirt. The last image in Hector's eyes was of the beautiful Trojan sky before the darkness closed in on him from all around, taking him down to the house of death. said to his wife, Hecuba. The Greeks were cheering. There was a chariot in the distance. The city gasped collectively, and cries began erupting when they realized what it was, who it was. Achilles whipped the horses faster and faster as, a rag doll lurching with each bump, the body of Hector trailed behind. After Achilles and the Achaeans got their fill of stabbing the body, Achilles had pierced the tendons in Hector's legs and pulled strips of rawhide through. He lashed the prince to his chariot and drove it around the city, basking in the weeping and wailing before driving it back to the ships. Back at the ships, it was a party. In a day, in less than a day, Achilles had turned the tide of war. He had massacred what seemed to be half the Trojan army and killed their commander. They were shut up in their walls, but they were trapped now, trapped without hope. Any fight now would be a last, dying stand. Now, if you're worried that we're getting too serious, that there'd be some sort of tasteful funeral for Patroclus, worry no more, because, of course, we have to have some funeral games. It gets a wee bit dark when Achilles straight up murders 12 Trojan captive princes, sacrificing them so they can burn with his buddy. Then, fun games! If you're wondering how the war lasted 10 years when Achilles almost ended it in a day, well, maybe it's because they break for a mini Olympics when people die. Really, this has very little bearing on the plot, but they competed in boxing, wrestling, archery, chariot racing, foot racing. The gods, for whom nothing is too petty, got in on the fun, and they messed with the competitors, with my favorite being when Athena, helping out her boy Odysseus in a foot race, caused Ajax to not only slip in dung, but fall face down in it, getting a mouthful and nose full of dung. Yeah, Talk about a tonal shift. Speaking of, back in Troy, Priam was also having his own experiences with Dung. In the center of his grieving family, King Priam, in his torn and ragged robe, smeared Dung on his neck and head as a way to mourn his son. Then, the world slowed down. It was Iris, the messenger of the gods. 
Priam stood to face her. He had no more fear. What more could the gods take from him? Iris said that Apollo had pleaded with Zeus. The king of the gods took pity on Priam. Zeus was sending Priam to the great camp to talk with Achilles himself. Achilles, despite the war crimes and the murder of Priam's kids and selling people into slavery and taking slaves, he was an honorable man. He would listen. Priam might want a shower first, though. Everyone else just saw Priam rise, wash, and order a chariot to be readied. He was going out. Paris stood. Priam couldn't go out. There was an army outside the walls, and they barely had enough to defend the city as it was. Priam looked his son in his eyes. If only you had been killed, Priam said, shaking his head. Paris called what? What? Priam said that he fathered hero sons all over the wide realm of Troy. But they were all dead now. All that he was left with was Paris and a few others. Liars. Heroes only at beating the dancing rings, plundering their own people for lambs and kids. Paris stepped back. Okay, ow. You're hurting, but I... I... Priam interrupted him. The king stood even taller. You are an embarrassment. You're an embarrassment to this city, this country, and me. Get out of my way. Paris, unable to speak, swallowed hard. Priam paused. Wait. Don't leave. Paris looked back with hope. Dad was just in a bad place. He didn't mean that. Make yourself useful for once and pack my chariot, Priam said, and left. It had been a few days since they had cremated Patroclus, and whenever Achilles was feeling a little sad, he had this thing that always helped a little bit. He would lash Hector's body to the back of his chariot and just drag him a half dozen times around Patroclus' tomb. It was a good way to clear his head. He was a little annoyed that Hector wasn't decaying at all. That was the meddling of the Olympians. But it just meant longer for him to mutilate and disgrace the body. Silver lining. He had just gotten back from such a ride and sat down to dinner when someone entered his tent. Not out of the ordinary. He was an important guy and people came to visit him all the time. It was a bit out of the ordinary when the visitor knelt down and kissed his hands. It was positively noteworthy that that visitor was Priam, the king of Troy. Achilles stood with a start, but Priam stayed kneeling. Priam said that he had fathered 50 sons, 19 with one woman. Achilles had met most of them, capturing them and sending them across the desolate sea as slaves or killing them outright. But one was left to Priam to guard the walls of Troy, to guard his home, his people, his Hector, and Achilles had killed him too. He didn't hate Achilles. He just wanted Achilles to know how much he loved his boy. How he would do anything for Hector. Even kiss the hands of the man who killed him. He no doubt thought Achilles' father felt the same way about him. And he knew that Achilles had felt the same way about Patroclus. That he would do anything for the man. Achilles pulled his hand away and covered his face. Achilles wept. 
He wept because he saw it now. He saw how the immortals spun their lives to live on and bear such torment, how pain and death could beget pain and death. It was a cycle they were all part of and all trapped by. Priam wasn't supposed to be doing this. He was supposed to be rallying the last of Troy to attack the Greeks. Pain and death. But instead, he was here, crying and kissing Achilles' hands, remembering his son. They couldn't have come from more different places. Achilles was the son of an Argonaut. Priam was a man who had fought not only Achilles, but his father's generation as well. They had every reason to hate each other. And yet here they were, bonded by loss. Two enemies embraced in the midst of a decade-long war. Priam said that Achilles couldn't let Hector go unransomed. He knew that. Patroclus deserved more than that. He could give Achilles Hector's weight in gold. That reminded Achilles. It reminded him of Hector's death when Hector had begged him. He had been so full of rage, and he thought that rage would solve something. But he was just as lost and as grieving as Priam was now. Achilles nodded. That would do. Priam rose. So should he go to Hector now? Achilles peeked out the tent, to Hector's body lying face down in the dirt after another one of Achilles' cathartic chariot rides. Uh, you go have something to eat. I'll go get him ready. Achilles washed and readied Hector, and, returning, asked Priam how much time the Trojans needed for a funeral. Priam did the math. They needed wood for the pyre. Their stores were depleted years ago, so probably 12 days total. Achilles nodded. They would have it. He would keep the Greeks from attacking for 12 days, out of respect for Priam. And Hector. After taking a brief nap in Achilles' tent for some reason, Hermes woke up Priam and said that he knew Priam and Achilles were in a good place now, but Priam and Agamemnon, Menelaus, Odysseus, Nestor, Ajax, the thousands of men around him, they were not in a good place. Go! So Priam rode out in the night. Achilles sighed and watched him go, only a handful of Greeks having ever been aware he was in the camp. Just then, Achilles felt a slap on his back, and he turned to see the grinning Odysseus. The king of Ithaca was up early. Odysseus was shaking with excitement. He had a dream. He was calling a meeting of the generals. They would be in Agamemnon's tent in ten minutes. Did Achilles like horses? Achilles shook his head. Not particularly, not anymore. They were the symbol of the city of Troy. They would forever be a reminder of this endless war. Odysseus clapped. You know what year it is? Year 10. And Odysseus had a plan to win the war. This is actually where the Iliad ends. I mean, it ends with the funeral of Hector, not that Odysseus teaser for the Trojan horse. But it ends before the prophesied death of Achilles and before the actual end of the war. That is not where we're going to end, though. Next week, I promise, is the end of the Trojan War with its biggest and most famous part. And we'll come to the end of one story, but the beginning of so many more. 
The creature this week is the Shito Taisho from Japanese folklore, which could roughly translate to the fine China general. This little guy is a good reason to give away unused or chipped kitchenware because, of course, all that disused pottery will form together in the shape of a warrior, come to life, and attack you. A lot of items in Japanese folklore like to be used. From umbrellas to sandals to, yes, kitchenware, if you don't use something for long enough, it will let you know. If you noticed your unused earthenware vessels coming together to form a warrior in your kitchen, first, why are you just standing there watching that? That's not a normal thing. It usually has a gourd-shaped sake bottle for its head. And for its body, it's a little teapot, short and stout. This is its handle. This is its wooden spoon that it's fashioned into a shiv to attack you and anyone who enters your kitchen. It'll also eat iron. A tiny general made out of discarded fine china stabbing at your shins is annoying. But the tiny general made out of fine china is made out of fine china. Despite its ferocity, he is extraordinarily weak and you can smash it to pieces with a kick. The problem is that the creature that could form itself out of chip china can now form itself out of those china chips and slowly will put itself back together from the pieces. Look, I'm usually in favor of reusing or at least giving things away so that they can be used by others. But we should probably just throw out old chip china we're not using. That or we'll have a dozen teapot generals fighting it out in the shelves at Goodwill. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by the band Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. I want to say thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring us this week. Are you stuck at home, feeling isolated and worried? BetterHelp offers online professional counselors who can help through phone or video sessions, plus exchange unlimited messages. Fill out a questionnaire and get matched with a counselor you'll love in less than 24 hours. Get professional help when you want it, wherever you are. BetterHelp is a truly affordable option, and our listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code LEGENDS. Go to betterhelp.com slash legends. All right, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Parts.